This is it, people. This is what you've been waiting for. This is Everyday Celebrity Podcast. The podcast for everyday people with everyday problems trying to find everyday solutions to accomplish everyday goals. Let's start the show. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Celebrity Podcast, number one podcast in Oakland, the number one podcast in the Bay Area. And tonight we have the number one top choreographer (laughs) in Oakland. We're going to talk about our life and we're going to dissect it from childhood to teenagehood. To thotting in the streets. I mean, if that if that was Damn. part if that was part of her <laughs> life. Welcome, uh, Mama P, aka I mean Paula, aka Mama P, to the show. How are you? I am good. Thank you for having me. How was your night? Uh, what time is it? It just started. It's seven. Okay, it's been all right. Yeah, you. Uh, I get the vibe. You like you you sleep a lot, right? Cause uh, st- seems like because that's what I, all you fucking post like. Oh, I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping. I'm in the bed all day. I love to sleep. This is definitely the season of sleep. Mm-hmm. It's cold as fuck outside and it's raining and like it's just not that deep to be outside. Put it my closer pneumonia, to Catching pneumonia. Um, so, yeah. But no, mm. I don't sleep a lot. Okay. I work a lot, but I sleep when I can. Yeah, we're going to get into your uh, your job, but... Because that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you. Because of your job working with the youth and ask you some questions on like the state of like youth culture right now. I think it's fucked up, but I mean, you might feel differently. But um, let's start from the beginning. All right. Where are you originally from? Um, So I am first generation here from my mom. My mom's from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad's from the Bronx. I was born in San Francisco and raised simultaneously in San Francisco and Oakland. Is your dad Filipino? Nope. Irish. You're like one of those niggas in the army who met your mom? No. Uh, man, <laughs> I got a story, but like... Well, that's what you're here for, yes. I know. Let's, I'm let's also a public figure for youth, you know, so... Basically, my mom in the 80s had this boyfriend, some white guy from London, um, and he used to go to the club and knew my dad because my dad, like, knew everyone and, like, you know, would hook people up with drugs. Weed. Yeah. I was going to go with weed. We're going to go with weed right now. <laughs> um, and then they broke up and my mom, like, hit up my dad. And then that's how they met. And wait, it was wait. not love at first sight. And it was not like they broke up before she found out she was pregnant. She went back to the Philippines, came back. And she's like, I'm having a baby because mm. I'm 36 and I'm going to have it. So your mom was dating someone that knew your dad and they were like friends or they were just they just had a business relationship. A little connect. Okay. Yes. Did your mom ever cheat on your dad with... Cause that's that's kind of no. weird that after you said they he, he died or they broke up. No, no, they broke up. She like had met him from being out with him, and then when her and her man broke up, mm. like she would she was going out more by herself and would see him out, okay. and then you know. Would you ever do that, like homie hop? Homie hop. Yes. 
That's a very interesting question. I would say that there's layers to that because I'm not fucking 21 years old. Um, If we're like talking cut and dry, like from a standpoint of your, you have dated someone you care about. Mm -hmm. I would say no, you don't fucking hook up or like sleep with someone's homies. I would also like to say that I'm 38 and if there was someone that I cared about that I dated and we broke up and it's respect like it's a respectable situation if I made a connection with one with one of their friends Mm. and I felt like it really was something Mm. like I'm not fucking 21 I don't owe you shit like I can talk to you and be like hey I really like this person but for like no reason just to like fuck no yeah absolutely not so your mother yes back (laughs) to that (laughs) so uh they meet this is in New York correct Mm -mm. San Francisco my dad's from the Bronx Oh, okay, okay, okay. So you were born in in in, in the city. Mm-hmm. Or are you like an only child? Um, from them too. Mm. So I am the only child of my mother, and then my dad clearly has a thing for Asian women. Mm. Uh, well, prior to that, I have a half sister in New York who's like fifty two, mm. and then I have he has a wife that. He married when I was like nine. And so I have two stepbrothers from him. Mm. And she's Chinese, so they're half Asian. Um, so we look similar, but we're not actually blood. So growing up in San Francisco back in those days, obviously it was different. Um, what was it like for you in your household? Uh, it's a good question. I grew up in both. So I grew up out here and there because my parents were never together. Mm. So my mom lived over here. Um, I went to school out there till second grade, and then I've been, and then I was here. Out there, what are you talking about? In the city. In the sorry. city, okay. So I was in the city. Like those are very young years. I, mm. you know, I don't fucking know. Um, but I do know that splitting time is a very like knowing the city and knowing Oakland is a very rare perspective. Mm-hmm. for a lot of us because we're so loyal to where we're from we're so loyal to oakland or we're so people are so loyal to the city they don't until they're older really like cross any bridges well a lot of people i mean i mean i don't know if you noticed but this podcast is heard in seven countries so a lot of people don't know what the fuck the difference is between san francisco culture and oakland culture can you explain what do you mean <laughs> nope probably not <laughs> I mean, I'm so detached from the city at this point. Mm. It's been like, I don't even want to go over there. Mm. I'm, I don't, I can't speak to what it is now. And as a young person growing up, I was only there. My dad um, had a Taekwondo school in Western Edition. So I had to have my black belt to be able to date. So I really was just like in the martial arts studio when I was over there. Um, And it was Your dad said you had to get a black belt before you can date? He said I had to have a black belt to be able to date. Did he say that because he didn't think he he was going to get it or for just so you can fight niggas off? Oh, no. He knew I was going to get it. Okay. He And even though I fought him on it because martial arts was his passion, not mine. Mm. 
I feel like every man should maybe make their daughter do that. It's not a bad skill to yeah. have. What did it teach you besides fighting? Um, <laughs> it just, one, I'm very, very, like, it just taught me a lot of, I think these things are like, um, what's the word? I, I think that it's should be ingrained in you because it's ingrained in me, but like, being aware of your surroundings and mm. like I'm just very I don't know aware also I'm able to take care of myself not like I'm going to fight people but I know more than the average person and I'm not ever concerned about women it's men um more than the average person that I'm like yeah prepared to escape because mm. we don't fight men we disable them and run. That's good. To, <laughs> Ladies. That's good. You think like, there's too many women out here who think they can just hit a man and nah, bro, the man and the man is not going to hit, hit him back. I mean, you know, first of all, I'm not going to start the fight, but we don't, there's a big power dynamic that's not like, if you're smart, it's common sense. Mm-hmm. Like, just don't, you don't go blow for blow with a man. Like, you don't do it. And I'm a smart fighter, but I'm still not trying to fight no man. Like, I'm going to take your kneecaps out and dip so yeah. quick. When was the last time you got in a fight with anyone? Um, I think uh, maybe, like, when I was 22 outside of Suite 181 in San Francisco, for yeah. anyone who knows that throwback. I remember that place. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some typical girl shit girls hating on each other um no um i my baby daddy mm. we were fighting it was our friend's birthday and so we were leaving the club like just all irritated um and we were walking out and then like some big like one of the samoan bouncers just kind of shoved me out of the way as he moved past mm. and i was like 22 i just like flew so my baby daddy's mad then he starts talking shit then like he's getting into it with these bouncers and then there's like 50 more bouncers then they're shoving him into the street and i'm trying to break it up we had our baby yet yeah i'm trying to break it up and the big simone guy looks at me takes me in the middle of whatever larkin street eddie street wherever the fuck it is and shoves me down like in the middle of the street mm -hmm. so then they all take off and then these two girls are just sitting there across the street laughing talking about that's what the fuck you get and i just remember seeing them getting up and like i'm not the type like if we're gonna fight we're gonna fight like bitch i ain't gotta say shit to you like we're not gonna like scream at each other all day i just got up walked right towards them and like went for it and I beat both their asses. And by the time my baby daddy came back with one shoe on, I was handcuffed sitting on the curb. Yeah. And both of them was just out. But that's the last time. <laughs> and it's been a very long time and I don't condone fighting. Okay. So growing up and uh, when you were growing up, it was your mother. I, I forgot. Was your, your dad and your mom in the same household when no. you were growing up? Okay. So you grew up, you stayed with your mom basically. Uh, yes. I was with my mom mainly, and then mm. my dad on weekends for a while. Was she strict? Yeah. Okay. She was Asian. She's Filipino. Okay. I don't know. Are you, are you in tune with your, I don't know, your Filipino culture? Did uh, your, yeah. Did your mom teach you all about that shit? I mean, 
she is the only one of seven brothers and sisters that came here, and she's the baby. Mm. So she came from a huge family, and it was just us. So more than anything, I am taught more about, like, just growing up with a mother who English is her second language, and, you know, you don't turn off the lights, you close the lights. And, like, there's... What? <laughs> like, I'm... I feel I identify more with my Filipino culture because I was taught so much more about it. My dad was like, what? He watched football and like steak and potatoes? I'm not sure. Mm. There is nothing there, right? Like that's kind of it. He, my, for me, my, my connection with him is like the martial arts, mm. which, which is not his culture. So, mm. um. Yeah, it was just me and my mom. So I would say that I'm very in tune with my Filipino culture and I cannot speak Tagalog if that would yeah, be the next that's question. What, that's what I was about to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming your mom obviously knows how to speak it. She didn't, why didn't she teach you? Oh, well, because I didn't want to learn it. And I really regret this. But when I was young and I was in trouble, when she's mad, she just starts fucking cussing me out in Tagalog and it's so loud that it's like a little like traumatic. Mm -hmm. So like as a young kid, when you only hear it really, when you're in trouble, you associate it with, yeah. I'm good. Like I'm not trying to like learn that. Um, so yeah, what I even took it for two years at City College in San Francisco, and that didn't fucking help. But I really did, like. I wish. I wish I could. What do you think is the worst sounding language? Like a, a language that just sounds ugly. hatred, ugly. Mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Hatred. Mm -hmm. Trying to get me right there. Yep. Hatred. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that's that's all right. Um. So when you were in high school. Mm-hmm. I get the vibe that you used to get in trouble a lot. Is that true? First of all, where'd you get that vibe from? Uh, I studied <laughs> um, psychology. Yeah, I got in my fair share of trouble. Mm. High school was difficult. It was a difficult time. Um, and I went to two different high schools. It was a weird time. But yeah, um, if we were were to put me on the scale of angel to devil, I was definitely, you know, had my horns. Were you getting in trouble because of the crowd you were running with or you were just a wild, wild one? No, I'm wild. That's good. But like, we're all figuring out our shit, right? Like my dad was diagnosed with stage four cancer when I was 15 and he wasn't supposed to live past four months. So mm. I was working shit out in my own way. Um. And I had an older boyfriend and I just had Jesus hormones Christ. and I was a fucking, you know, young kid. And How old was, was your boyfriend? I was 15. He was 18. Oh, yeah. That's not, I thought you were talking about like a grown okay, ass man. No, no. But, but still like him being allowed to do a lot of things that I'm not allowed to do as a 15 year old girl. Right. Mm. And him being 18. In that time period especially in your teenage years every year is very formative and and you grow a lot so it is still a huge i mean not like a whole ass man but you know mm. what i mean it is still a huge difference in experience and where we're at but yeah i um high, <laughs> high school was a time 
You graduated. I did not. You didn't graduate. No, mm. actually, and I don't think I've ever said this publicly. So you get it first. <laughs> um, did I didn't graduate, okay. and I had a lot of shame about it for a really, really long time. Why didn't you graduate? Um, because I left the school where I was living with my dad. Um, because I wanted to dance, obviously. So I auditioned for School of the Arts in San Francisco. Um, for junior year, I got in. So I moved back to my mom in Oakland and had to take a bus, a BART, and two buses to get to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and me and the dance director, we there was just a clash. And I... and This was a, like a high school? Like an arts high, high school? It's a performing arts high school. Okay. But you have to audition to get in. Like, it's serious. Mm. Um, and I feel like... What are y'all she, clashing about? I feel like she just, like, didn't like me. Like, I loved hip-hop dance, and I wasn't as good in all the classical styles. But I really, like, loved dance, and I have a classical training. Um, we, she was basically like, if you, you just have to keep your grades above a 2.0, mm. whatever. Right? But when fucking not even... It was just a marking period. It wasn't like a, um, what are they called? I know these. I work with kids. A semester grade. Uh, I lost a notebook for science or whatever the fuck. Anyway, so my grade went down and she kicked me out of the program. She was like, you can't be in the end of the year. You can't be in this. And I'm like, I, but my, I've kept it up all year and I, it won't affect my grade. Anyway, I lost, if, if I, I'm going to art school and traveling all that way and you kick me out of the dance program. Like, why? I don't... You kind of took away every incentive for me. Like, that's why I'm there. Were you able to still go to the school uh, if you're not in a dance program? Yeah, you were. But my school is... um, you from the start of school to lunch and mm-hmm. then everybody is in an arts program so after lunch everyone goes and does their their discipline mm-hmm. and i don't it's a small school like i really love what i do i really wanted to like we were so it wasn't like in the beginning of the year it was like close to the end of the year we were getting ready for a huge thing and i had parts and i was in it and she just like took me out my so my teachers fought for me because she's not my teacher she's Mm. just the director but she wouldn't let me do it and it i just kind of so it was was just that one time she kicked you out you didn't get a chance to like to fix the problem and get back on Mm. and so I just kind of felt like, fuck it. And then I was also old for my grade. So I was going to turn 18 before my senior year, like mm-hmm. right at the beginning. And I was just like, I, I mean, everyone graduates when they're 18. Huh? So everyone graduates when they're 18, though. Yes, but you don't, a lot of people don't start their senior year an adult. Mm. It happens during the year. I'm, I was old for my grade. Okay. So I could have been on the very young end or the very old end. And my mm. parents picked for me to be older. So I was just like, well, I want to dance. Like, fuck it. I'm not going to go to a new school on my like in my senior year. And I'm not going to continue here not dancing. And I just was already, I had been professionally dancing in dance companies since I was 16. So I was already dancing every night and going to practices and rehearsals and performing. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of like, yeah, fuck y'all. And I had so much shame about it for so long. 
So you dropped out of yeah, school? I dropped out of okay. school. Well, I enrolled in City College with the intention of getting an AA, which can like leverage that out. Uh-huh. But did I do it? I did not. So you don't, you, you don't have, you, or, you I have no degrees. You have a GED, don't you? I do not. So you don't have a GED or a high school diploma? No. Yeah. Uh-huh. And no one knows, but now everyone knows, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <sighs> I would have lied if this was like five years ago. The shame no, you, I used to get. I mean, like yeah. I would like have anxiety about it. Uh-huh. But I you don't, you don't feel like, uh, I mean, you can always still get it, obviously. Oh, I could, but I don't need it. Mm-hmm. But, okay. So I work with young people. I have gone back and forth about this for so long because it was really shameful for me just like coming up and like finding jobs and like being nervous to fill out like um, applications. Um, But now that I have my career Mm. and I work with young people, I don't suggest that anyone goes out and, and does that. Don't be like, fuck school you don't need it because you do like I really fucking like it was for me for a long time a really huge source of shame and because I chose arts I was able to get around it but if I could go back I would do it differently Mm. but I do not need it for where I'm at and I I also see like big corporations rethinking about like people not necessarily needing a bachelor's degree now when they apply. Like there is yeah, no, different just, uh, types of thinking that really that you can't get in school. And I think a, a a larger collective thinking and like celebrating people for the different ways that they contribute to the pot is is something that is acknowledged now and it wasn't then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I mean multiple Tech companies just came out uh, saying that um, degrees are not required, or they're not requiring you you having a degree to fill these jobs. Now they they're going off of uh, experience. Yeah, because there's some people that are just so young and so fucking talented. But that's college, though. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I don't think uh, as far as school, I think I'm well aware of yeah. what you're saying yeah. I'm just saying I wouldn't suggest anyone to do it and mm-hmm. my journey is personal to me and there are things that I would do differently but I'm not ashamed of it anymore and I am proud of where I'm at yeah. and I can stand in a place where I know that I'm impacting young people and and we could talk about it if they want to so when you after high school or after, whenever you left what uh what did you do I um, danced in professional dance companies. Mm. I worked at bars. I got pregnant when I was 23. So hey, we're, not, we're, was, not, we're not on that yet. Okay, but yeah, that's pretty much okay. that time. When, so you started uh, dancing at a young age. What was it about dancing that drew you to it? Was it like a... Uh, you know how when people dance, uh, like you watch them dancing and shit, they're letting off like hidden emotion, like, oh, I'm depressed. And you could you can feel like the shit that they're going through while they're dancing. They let off anger. Like that that clip, that clip of that black dude 
when they were protesting uh, somebody getting shot, um, unarmed person getting murdered by police, and then they they had this black dude in L.A. or some shit. He was like, what do you call it, crumping or whatever the fuck, mm-hmm. in front of the cop. Yeah. And if you look at the the video, I mean, you look at it like, what the fuck is this dude doing, like dancing in front of this cop? But dancers will look at that and be like, yo, he's speaking a language. He's voicing his, uh, what he's feeling through dance to this fucking police officer yeah. and not saying it verbally, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like any art, dance is an outlet, mm. right? Whether it's rap, whether it's doing murals, whether it's singing, um, whether it's writing, it's an outlet for your feelings and your emotions. And I think that dance is a form of resistance, of joy or raw emotion. And I can't speak too much to crumping, but I do know that it is an L.A. Um, based dance. Like it's a street dance. It's yeah, yeah. Like it's, I don't, yeah. I'm just asking what, what, what about dancing made you fall in love with Um. I started dancing when I was three. Mm-hmm. I was in ballet. And then from there, can I hit my vape? Yeah. Because now we're just telling all the secrets and now the kids are going to see all of it. Yeah. yeah. First of all, kids are doing grown up shit nowadays. So Yes, but whatever. I'm also the face of an organization and a public figure for <laughs> youth. So here we are. <laughs> um, and I uh, went to San Francisco Ballet, which is very prestigious and um, very white very rich i was there on a scholarship so there was that i liked it i don't know i was young who knows Mm. what you like when you're young but i just remember taking my first hip-hop dance class in second grade Mm -hmm. shout out miss betty um and janet self-titled janet had just came out and she was teaching us a dance to if which is completely inappropriate lyric wise for our age but i didn't know that then Mm. Um, but I love that video. Uh, so good. <laughs> anyway, yes, so good. But I was like, this is this is it. This is I feel alive. Mm. Like it just makes it just made sense. And for me, dance is like I move through life and we all do at so many different capacities, and there's so many layers, and we interact with people on so many different levels. When I dance, I'm the most powerful version of myself. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the strongest and it and it's not contingent or tied to anybody else. Mm-hmm. And having that, having a place where you feel that as a human, regardless what it is, whether it's if you fucking meditate or if you fucking knit, I don't know who the fuck knits. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people do, you know, whoever. But... Wherever you can find that place where you feel untouchable, just like as a being, like this is who I am. I'm strong here. Like this is the essence of me. Mm. You're not relying on anyone else. You don't need anyone else to make you whole. Like that is a beautiful thing. And I found it really young. And so now I get to do that for a living and also help young people connect whether they're going to dance for the rest of their lives or whether it's just a part of them learning and finding you know a way to 
outlet emotions or find parts of themselves, I'm so happy to be a part of that journey. How did you, so what do you do for a living? Um, <laughs> so with all the things I've said, here's my title. I am the, I am one of the director or co-director um, of Destiny Arts Youth Performance Company, mm-hmm. um, which is a nonprofit based in Oakland. We are, I think, almost at 35 years now. Yeah. Um, and our mission statement is to spark and ignite true social change through arts. Mm. We have hip hop, we have African dance, we have martial arts. Um, we used to have a few more different um, options, but everything's from the African diaspora. And mainly our goal is to serve the, this community. And this, and being that it was founded um, over thirty years ago, this community looked a lot different. So we don't even call it sliding scale. It's pay what you can. No one's turned away for lack of funds, um, but to provide arts and enrichment to community in places where. Funding is cut and it is not necessarily available um, to people, you know, who are underserved. Mm. Do you think, do you think, uh, well, do you feel some type of way when white or non-African instructors are teaching black kids how to dance uh, to African uh had an African dance? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, African dance specifically, I've never seen it. I've never seen. You just said they teach African dancing well, at that place. Yeah, are the teachers do. black? Oh, yes. All of them? Yes. All the teachers that are teaching this African dance are black there? Yes. Okay, that's good. Miss Julia, yeah. Uh. And her daughter also teaches. <laughs> She's dope. She's a storyteller, Miss Julia. She'd uh, be going on forever. There, I know this white girl who is in London. Well, she's not in London. She's not in London Weird. anymore. She, uh, she's out here now, but she teaches African dance to who? Well, to other white people. I don't see any black um, people in her in her in her class, but she's teaching African dance. And like, first of all, where did you get your training from? Second of all, how the fuck are you teaching this to them? Yeah, I've never, I've. <laughs> how do you feel about that? I've never seen a white person teach African dance. Okay, but how do you feel about that? You don't have an opinion. I they could just teach it. No. First of all, I'm not the boss of anyone. Second of all, it is not my culture, so I don't get to tell anyone what to do. But third of all, like, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, there I don't... is something that feels wrong, right? Yeah. But also, it, you know, I don't know. Mm. That's, I wouldn't sign up for that class. I wouldn't put my child <laughs> in that class. Like, uh-huh. that's, I mean, it is, it is someone's, like, that's, n- not your culture. So mm. I like, like, but maybe I don't have the whole story. Like maybe she was born. No, you just said she was from London. No, she wasn't born. Yeah. 
I don't know. I've never seen it. I don't know. <laughs> how did you come? How did you land this job? What brought you to this uh, this place? Um. So I taught my first. This was my first teaching gig mm-hmm. in 2004 when I was 18. I taught there, and um, I didn't grow up through destiny, which so many young people have in Oakland and Berkeley. Um, because I was, I was, it's, it's, it's a youth company. Like I was already dancing professionally in adult companies by the time I was 15. So mm-hmm. I was in the city practicing till like 12 PM, you know, like, I mean, 12 AM, like it was like, I, I was just doing, I was on a different path and I definitely, destiny is a very, very special place. And I was, young and very, very had tunnel vision about what I wanted. So I didn't grow up there, but I was young when I started teaching there. Um, And 18 is young since the kids that are about to graduate are about my age, right? But my experience was just more vast. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was there and I was there for maybe like three years. And then I took a break and came back in 2011. It was... Their original place where they were founded is like a block and a half from my house. So I get to serve and have been serving the community that I was raised in, which is really special because I think, and I've worked in a lot of schools, um, contracted. I've learned a lot about education. Like, I obviously had a lot of shame around education and then working in schools. I learned a lot of things, like, that just opened my eyes. But it, I really do think it is very important, one, representation is important. Mm-hmm. Two, not that I represent very many because there's not very many Filipinos around here. But I no, can mean that. You're a person of color, I guess. But no, but even that, like specifically like black educators is mm. so fucking important. Second to that, it would be people that are actually from here. Mm. How are you to connect with young people that grow up here and you just are here from Teach from America, like Teach for America? Like you, like connection is important and that builds trust and they need role models, they need representation, and they need people who fucking get it. So do you think do you think more uh teachers have there I mean society is putting uh too much responsibility on teachers and not the goddamn parents of these kids? <laughs> I think that that's a good question. Well, I think that teachers are underpaid. And I think that, I mean, so, so what is this? Society is a fucking disaster at this point. Uh, the reason I why know. I ask that is because, uh, well, uh, a lot of people say teachers are underpaid, but I think oh. you should get base, you should get paid based off of results. And if you are a teacher and all your fucking kids are failing, why the fuck do you, you're a bad teacher? Why why are you complaining about pay? You should be fired. There is no reason why, if you're a math teacher, you should have a failing student. You know what I'm saying? Because you're basically uh, failing at your job. Your job is to teach this kid 
this to solve this problem. And if you can't do that, then you're not a good teacher. You, you need to find a way to make this kid learn how to solve this problem. And a lot of teachers are like, oh, this nigga can't, this little kid can't solve the problem. So there's something that must be wrong with him. Um, I hear that. And I have several different opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, one, growing up, with my mother not being from here, you're not supposed to ever be in trouble. You're not supposed to ever stand out, right? So whatever any adult says is right. They're just fucking right. And that's not the fucking case. As I got older and I worked in schools, um, I grew, like I worked in at Haven's Court in East Oakland at Roots. um, And I was their dance teacher. So I was contracted and I was there every day because I was an elective dance teacher. And there were so many teachers that were there that were like first year, that were like 23. And I was, I don't know, what, 30? But like, because of my upbringing, I was like, oh my God, like, they just seemed older. Everyone just seems older. I just felt like there's a very specific way. And one, everyone starts somewhere. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you can't, I learned this because I would never let my daughter be in a first-year teacher's classroom because first-year teachers get their asses handed to them. There is a learning curve. Not everyone just fucking, like, graduates and out the gate, they're just fucking, like, phenomenal teachers. Do you know what I mean? So I would, like, I hear you, but no one gets into teaching because it fucking pays really good. They want to make a change or it's going to look good on their resume for Teach for America people, you know, when they go off to do whatever they're going to do. But teaching is not for the fucking week. It really isn't. You're not getting paid. And you are not. And like in underprivileged and underserved communities, the resources are thin and you have you know, a lot of kids with a lot of different needs that you were never taught in school to hold space for. Mm. And they just shove it all in one classroom because they don't have the resources. Mm. So I hear you because it is your job, but like you're also doing so much more than that. You have to hold space. You don't know what the fuck they've been through. You don't like, I just like, I'm, I'm from here and I'm teaching dance, right? So I'm fine. Like, I'm very comfortable in what I do. I can also tell everyone to sit down and shut the fuck up. Like, I feel that way. I do. I will cuss in my classrooms. Like, not in a rude way. Just like in a, like, this is business is business. Like, it's not personal. But, like, kids from here get it, right? Unless we're in the hills, which I don't teach at. But wait, so there was a lockdown one day. And I have a seventh grader talking about, I want to go out and have a break. And I'm like, well, I don't even know what's going on, but we can't go outside. But there was a shooting and they're, you know, she's screaming like, I don't give a fuck if I die. You think I give a fuck if I die? I'm going to go outside and have my noodles, whatever, like, you know, and like, I'm like, listen, I hear you, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't personally feel that way. So I can't imagine what it would take for a young person to feel this way. But I'm going to be honest with you. I got 24 more kids in here that are low-key shook. And you're like, you know, you're not helping. Like, if you could help me out and just, like, chill for a second because they're panicking and you don't give a fuck if you die or not for your noodles. It's intense. (laughs) And, like, do you know, like, 
Mm. A lot of people are not built to handle these situations. So great teachers come with experience and having these years of learning what it's like to cultivate and hold space for our young people in these communities. And you do it because you love it, because we don't do it for the money. So yes and no. When you are teaching a, 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 a fucking dance step or whatever, if you have a student that's struggling in the group mm-hmm. that can't get it, what, mm-hmm. do, what do you do? Do you tell them to sit down? Mm-hmm. You you can't, you, you just can't, you just don't get it. Go ahead and sit down. What do you do? So it's interesting because I also, I've been teaching a long time and my position, like I've, like, it has changed, right? I was in the schools and communities a lot where Really, I taught dance, but it's more about building community and teaching kids how to be in community and treat each other with respect. And oftentimes throughout their day, if there was one place they didn't shine, they didn't shine in math, they didn't shine in English that day, they could come to my class and they knew they was going to fucking shine, right? And we all need that space. I don't hold that as much anymore because I have moved up and I'm a director and and I'm holding a performance company, which is the face of my organization. So it is, you have to audition to get in. It's, it's just, it's changed. Um, I am pretty very, I'm pretty strict. I will not tell you to sit down, but if I stop paying attention to you, if I'm not screaming at you, or correcting you anymore, it's because I don't see you anymore. But that is very clear. So what I'm hearing is, if you're teaching a group of kids a dance move, mm. like we choreography. have to be very specific because I have a company now and I'm not in schools and communities. Well, I'm, just, I'm, I'm pretty sure, whatever. <laughs> if you're te- if you're teaching a group of kids a cr- choreography, right? Mm-hmm. And if one kid is struggling and just can't get the steps down, what I what I'm hearing, tell me if I'm wrong, you would just be like, okay, well, uh, you just don't get it, and and no. focus on the the kids who do no. get it. This is why. I made or would that. you would you try your hardest to teach this kid these steps? This is why I made that different. Like made that different. Schools and community, right? Like dance classes, after school programs, Mm -hmm. like dance classes that people sign up for. That's different. Yes, I'm here to teach you. I'm not going to just ignore you. Just focus on that specific question. I know, but I'm answering it because I think that you don't see the difference in in how I move through these spaces. Mm. So if I'm teaching a bunch of third graders... After school at MLK, right down the way, which I have done like since September, Mm. if they don't get it, I'm not mad. It's not their job to get it. It's my job to be there and hold space. Like, I'm not going to make them professional dancers. I want them to have a good time. And I also want to give them tools to build community and be kind. Like there's a lot there, right? I'm pushing something different into schools and communities than I am in my main job, which is a company that you audition for that performs at places like we um oh, like we performed for Misty Copeland's flower 
premiere at Paramount. Like, this is the face of my organization. You have to audition to get in. You have rehearsals. Our show's coming up. They will be basically in the studio four times a week for five hours at a time. So that is a different space. That is for someone who auditions, goes through a four-hour process, takes it very seriously, and it is way past having fun to dance and like you should be doing the work, you should be training, you should be at home working on it. Then being in schools and communities with youth that like signed up for dance because they want to dance because it's fun. Mm. There's different ways that I move and navigate those spaces. Mm. So yes, for a general dance class, someone who just wants to dance and have fun, I don't, I'm, it's not even that deep. Like I want to hold the space in total as a good space, right? I'm not mm. going to just ignore a young person. Now in my dance company where the expectation is that you are going home and practicing, you had to audition to get here, you perform a lot. We are we're going to have our show at Zellerbach. Like this is a pre-professional performance company. So I do get you ready for the real world because dance is no joke. There's a lot of no's and there's a like it's not easy. You have to audition for everything you want to do. Do you when teachers, and if you edit that fucked up, I'm gonna fuck you up because no, I don't edit. I don't okay. edit. On <laughs> um, when teachers have sex with their students, oh, Jesus, it's always the, the teacher goes to jail, right? Do you think anything should happen to the student? Uh, are we gonna put the student in jail for? The I'm just saying. I mean, power? this is your. You can ask however you want. Do you do you think there should be some type of discipline or repercussion? No. Oh, the student. No. No? No. Why is that? Just because no matter what, the abuse of power and the lack of judgment as an adult, even the power dynamic holding it, mm. it's just you have to know better. Mm. Like, they're young people. Like, think about all the stupid shit we did when we was young. I'm just saying, like, that... I mean, no matter what, if that situation happens, right, and a young person has sex with a teacher and the teacher goes to jail, like, that's a traumatic situation regardless. But that's still the adult. Like, no matter what it, how it plays out, like. Has any of your students ever tried to hit on you? No. Mainly girl. <laughs> the dance scene, right? Mm-hmm. The dance scene, the the beauty pageant scene, it could be depressing. Those are different scenes. But yeah, I, I know, guess. I know, I know. But I'm I'm just talking. I I say that because yeah. of the, like I know where you're headed. The competition is more. It's ba- both of them are like competition based, right? Do you think there's a lot of uh, what's the word? Uh, far as like image, like girls, like a big girl. Do you think, do you think big, I mean, big girls like to dance, big kids, right? But do you think that they will ever, a lot of them will never like go to a, a dance studio and try and try out for like a a dance uh, fucking school because they probably are self or uh, not confident, you know what I'm saying? Because all these other because girls society are. society has put it in there. Yeah. Moment. So do you think that that is a big problem that you've been seeing in your whole 
career with these youth? Or do you see it at all? Well, I absolutely see it. Um, I think that it's gotten better from when I was younger. Um, so my dance company, it's not just a dance company. We are a theater arts company. Mm-hmm. So every show, we make an original show every spring um, with a script written from our young people with issues that they care about, with issues that are real to them. And body image comes up a lot. I think that as a society, we are starting to find or make a lens that is celebratory of people's spirit and tenacity and talent over than like what has societally been the norm of acceptance and beauty. We still have a very long way to go, but I can't speak for beauty pageants because they're just that. They're beauty pageants. Like mm. it seems toxic to me to be, you know. But mm. as far as dance and expression and what you have to say and energy, like you can't Energy is undeniable. Mm. If you have it, you have it. Yeah. And there's no discrepancy. Like, we don't discriminate at all. Like, you just got to be on your shit. You have to want it. You have to have that hunger and you have to be talented. It doesn't matter what size you are. Mm. It doesn't matter what pronoun you are. It don't fucking Mm. matter. When you see it, (laughs) when you see a a 300 400 pound kid right mm-hmm. teenager mm-hmm. do you think it's more important to tell this teenager oh you're 400 pounds yo you're beautiful or do you think it's more important to tell that teenager listen you're a teenager you're 15 years old you're 400 pounds it's unhealthy let's work on losing weight why can't we do both Why can't we allow grace? Like, this is unhealthy, and I want you to work towards, like, something. Like, you make a goal, right? Like, this is, you have to have stamina. This is a sport. This is not for the weak. And also, we give ourselves grace because no matter what, you are beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think that there's space for both. We're not coddling, but, like, we don't. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm. people are really fucking hard on themselves and kids are really hard on themselves and kids are really fucking hard on other kids and Mm. really fucking cruel. And then like with social media and with the internet, like I can't imagine what it would be like to be a young person now and not be sure of yourself and not like it was hard when I was a kid and I, I, you know, I had my own shit, but like it was not, as rough as it would have been for a lot of people or for like everything being online. So I think that when we don't know people's backgrounds or their trauma or what they've been through or what their home life life is from, or if they were loved or ever held in a space where they were seen Mm -hmm. that yes, for your health, it is important that you exercise and push yourself. And also, regardless, you are fucking beautiful because no one could do it like you and no one is you. And that's 
the beauty. And I mm. think it's important to hold both those spaces at the same time. When people look at your social media, obviously you're an attractive woman. Um, social media is basically a highlight reel, yeah. When people look at your social media, they might, oh, this woman, she travels the world. She has all these beautiful friends that are in her life, care about her, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. What is something, because when everyone everyone goes home and they close that door and they look in the mirror, there's something that bothers them that they don't share with the world that they want to keep inside. Tell me. (laughs) Well, then. Um, One, yes, social media is like an outward um, projection of what you want people to see, Mm. right? What what you feel comfortable sharing. And I would say that my page is mainly that. I would say that I'm, there's that, right? And then if you follow me and you watch my stories, it's like, it's not very different, but it's just very real. Like I'm very mm-hmm. extremely real in my stories, right? I just kind of like ramble and say whatever and like post whatever. Like it is very honest. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as for your show goes, I've told a truth that I have never told the public ever. So there's that. Mm. You already got one. But um, are you a confident woman? Yeah. You ever been depressed? Yes. And you can be both at the same time. Mm. So back to your question, when everyone goes home and closes the door, I'll say this. I am extremely proud of who I am and the way in which I move and impact the spaces that are important to me. I move with integrity And the ripples run for generations. Mm. I feel so grateful and so proud of myself as an individual. I love what I do and I spread love and I really love our community. I think that what I... And I like I even allude to it or I'll write about it sometimes. I do get depressed. Life is very hard. And very challenging. And I think personally, I'm not happy. So when it comes to me as a person and like moving through this world and what I do with others and what I do for work, it's all very great. And I think my personal life is is hard and challenging. And I think the last, I don't think, last year was the most challenging adult year I've ever had in my life. So closing the door, sometimes I show it because I think it's important to be vulnerable because there are a lot of people that follow me and I want to stay authentic and like show that it's my life is not always in Bali and I'm happy. Like shit is happening. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes for the protection of myself, just for myself to feel okay, which people do all the time. They project. Sometimes I don't show any emotion and everything's great when it's not great. And that's my own judgment call too because maybe that is the only thing that makes me feel okay that day that I projected that I was, right? And Mm -hmm. you give yourself grace. But I'm always pretty honest about it and I have no problems talking about it. 
that makes sense. Why was last year so drastic for you? Um, there was a lot of death around me and the people I loved. Specifically, I turned 38 at the end of August and I went away to Palm Springs and I came back and my whole life changed. So what people didn't see in Bali, because I was there by myself, was I almost died. I smacked my head on a table and almost bled out and someone called me and helped me find like a hospital, but I almost bled out. And if the the hospital said that if I didn't find anyone, that I would have just bled out in my room. Did you slip on something? I, it was a very, very dark room and yeah. I dropped my phone. So I went to pick it up and then I smacked my head on this table mm. and then there was just blood running down my face and I even had like screenshots from the person I was calling mm. I they had to shave part of my hair I had st- like it was a thing so and I was alone and so I almost died there was that but like that it is what it is right but then I go away for my birthday for the weekend and I'm talking to my daughter who's 15 Mm. and I'm like why aren't you at your dad's she has a boyfriend she's been with for a year and um his mom passed Mm. and she was 36 and he doesn't have a father so now I'm coming home I'm not gonna yet it let let this young black man go into the system Mm. who is such a huge part of our lives. So he lived with us. So I took on a whole nother teenager and a whole nother like, can you imagine what it's living like with a couple who's young, who fights, who's in love and everything is just all over the place. On top of that, they're grieving. He's grieving his mother. I'm holding space while trying to do my like, it was, I barely made it. On top of that, like I don't even make money like that to, to, you know, mm-hmm. to support that. Like, it was a struggle. Struggle for my daughter. Struggle for me. Struggle for him. Like, his family basically was like, here, you got him, right? And I was like, oh, yeah. And then, like, really, they meant it. Like, he just lived with me. And I love him so much. But nothing could ever prepare you for that. And that was life-changing for me. I stopped talking to a lot of people, not because like, just because no one checked up on me and I was, my whole life changed. All of a sudden I had two kids and I was, they go to different schools and now I'm meeting with his principals and making sure he's getting to class on time. And like, it just changed. Mm. And, you know, I, it was just, it's a lot. It's a lot when I think of, him to process and if he even has the tools to process and I'm just happy he ended somewhere soft with people that love him I think about my daughter who it must have been hard to hold space and share her room and basically be in a very committed relationship so young and be defensive of him but also be like get the fuck out my space and then Mm. there's me who just wants my motherfucking house and space without children without fucking anything everyone just you know we all lost our shit for a minute I lost they're still shit. together they are mm. they're still together and just recently he moved um to berkeley with his sister who's 19 but he's over every day and i love him but it is nice to have you know a little mm. bit of space but that was really fucking difficult 
when you you say you travel a lot, right? When you when a person travels, a lot is strong, but yes, I like to travel. I've traveled around the world, and I do a lot of everywhere I go. I'm always alone. I travel alone because I feel like solo travel is the best. You solo traveled, correct? Yeah. When you solo travel, did you uh, did you realize things about you that you didn't? I mean, did you learn about yourself that of shit that you didn't know before? Um, you know, I've solo traveled a bunch. So maybe, maybe I feel like, I feel like I should have a better answer and a more profound answer to that question. Mm. But the thing is, I'm so used to being alone that when I travel, it's just easier because it, it's cut and clear. I'm very comfortable being alone. I really, and I, I travel because whether I have somebody or I don't, I'm going to go see the world. Like, I'm going to go live my life. Mm. So if I had somebody, I would travel with them. But I don't. So I'm still going to fucking go to Italy, and I'm still going to go to the south of France, and I'm still going to go to Bali, and I'm still going to go see these places because you're only young once, and why the fuck not? Um, but I feel lonely often. Mm. And it's weird because when I travel, I feel lonely here often surrounded by so many people and when i travel i feel less alone and i'm by myself why is that explain that i don't know i guess there's no expectations it's just me and i'm comfortable with just me do you feel that way because when you're traveling um alone it's i mean obviously if you're alone traveling, you're not expected to fucking go out and party and meet people and be social. You can like sit in a fucking hotel 24-7. But here, you're probably, people probably hit you up all the time, like on a Saturday. Oh, let's go out. Let's go have drinks. And even though you don't want to, you feel obligated because then if you say no, you're going to get backlash. You know how friends are. Like, why the fuck are you always staying in the house? Something wrong with you and shit like that. So you try to you try to portray that everything is good by going out, even though you're like, I just want to be in the house. And that's just, I'm an introvert. That's just how I am. And you're forcing me to be an extrovert. Um, I don't have those problems. Mm. <laughs> I am. Um, hold, hold, hold that. I, I gotta Are go. we pausing? Yeah, we're pausing. Because I, I have to pee so bad. I got to piss too. Okay, you go first. <laughs> I was going to say something, but then, like, I was like, perfect. Let's slam that door. Slam it. There you go. All right, we're back from, from peeing. There's from nothing, our potty break. There's nothing like a good pee when you've been holding oh it. God. That shit is so refreshing. <laughs> um... Fuck, what we were talking about, I thought about it while I was peeing because I was like, we're going to hop right back in because I had You to. being alone. Mm. Oh. Here, feeling feeling more lonely here than when oh, you yeah, travel. Yeah. I oh, yes. So, I'm at the age where social obligations are not 
I don't feel as bad. Like, talk all the shit you want. Like, I have mm-hmm. a whole career, a daughter, and I'm going to do with my free time what feels right to me intentionally. Like, I'm going to use it intentionally. Yeah. Um, Unless it, you're my good friend and it's your birthday, like, or something that you really need me to show up for, then I'm, I got you. But otherwise, like, ah, oh, you're not going to come out or, oh, this is that, that is, mm, that, mm, that don't mean shit to me. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, not that it don't mean shit. It's just that if I don't have capacity, I'm not going to stretch myself because I pour into so many fucking people's cups that if my cup isn't full, mm-hmm. then I can't pour. And me going to get drunk with you when I'm not in the space to, that does not apply. Like that, sorry, there's 18 other people out there. Like you're, you'll be fine. Do you feel... Uh, underappreciated and I, when I say that do you uh, I want you to answer career wise and social wise with friends no no and no hmm. I feel seen um, if there are any areas in my life where I feel seen it is career wise and with my friends I feel very seen Everyone who is close to me and loves me knows how much I give and how important my job is to me and how important my loved ones are to me. If there So were, you you get the same you get the same shit back. No. That's a different question. <laughs> it's the same question. No, it's not. It's do you feel seen and appreciated? Yes, I do. Does that mean I get it back? Not necessarily. But Yes, from community, right? Because the more you give, the more you receive because the the big picture is to watch it grow and the ripples you make. And then friends-wise, yeah, my friends are amazing. I don't, once again, I'm grown and pretty old. Like, I don't need anyone to be anything except themselves. Mm. I think that it is hard being a single mother, but that is... You know, with uh, specifically with like the situation that I've said, like there, that's a lot for me to hold, and no one else. Like I don't expect my friends to help me hold that, right? Like I have friends that support me, but I also like it's hard for me to reach out, and I don't. That's not anyone's fault, but I guess I just I I don't know if I expect what I give back to get back. And and probably that's how it should be. You shouldn't expect that what you give is what you're going to get. It would be nice if everything was reciprocated, but in where I sit and where I stand, that's not always going to be. Do you allow case. yourself to receive? Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. How old are you when you became a mother 23 and you say you're a single mother yes yes what type of mother are you um like the same type of educator i am not overbearing very blunt very honest do Don't you find do... yourself i'm sorry to no, no, but do you find yourself uh mothering I don't know if that's a word, but mothering uh, like your mother did to you, you know? No. No, I'm 
so much not like my mother, but I'm from here. I'm a product of here. My mom's not. Mm. Um, I find myself mothering in a very specific way, whether it is my daughter or the youth I work with closely, not just like kids that I teach in a class once a week, but like the kids in my company that I'm, you know, some of them I've taught since third grade and they're seniors. So they are also my kids. Like they all call me mom. I, I'm just fucking honest. Mm. Like if you didn't do good, you didn't fucking do good. Mm. Try again. And I wouldn't tell you you didn't do good if I didn't know you could do better. Like, yep. it's just a very honest, non-coddling. Typical tiger mom, you Asians, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, is it typical? Because well, I... Well, for your Asian but not, culture, yeah. I don't think so. Because, yes, I know what a tiger mom is, but I don't see myself as that. I just... It's not like you're not good enough because that's the Asian culture. Like, you're not good enough. You're not a doctor. That's not good enough. You didn't get straight A's. That's not good enough. For me, it's like, I don't know. It's just very real. Mm. Like, I'm not going to tell you you did good when you didn't. But I'm also just going to fucking be honest with you. Also be honest with me. But like holding the space in which allows respect right Mm -hmm. like I didn't like that like there's a lot of tools that I've learned that like I didn't grow up with because typical Asian parents and tiger moms is like the adults are always right no matter what and I would like to have these kids challenge that thinking because that's not fucking true and what you say matters and what you have to say matters and so There's that. I want to give you your voice. And I also want to let you know that there's a standard. And I'm not going to ever give you, all my kids know this, I will never give you a fake compliment. I'll never fucking tell you good job if it wasn't a good job. Ever. Do do you and your daughter have a good relationship? Yes. We're very close. Will she say that? Yes. Absolutely. Any of my kids would say it. Any of your kids. Any of my kids. And I be at Hello Stranger and I be hearing, <laughs> Miss Paula? And I'm like, oh my God. And they're like, you taught me at Westlake. And so I went to Larry June's con- concert and then the, his social media manager was like, Miss Paula, you don't remember me. Mm. You're my favorite teacher at Westlake. And I was like, oh no. Like, I've taught generations of Oakland kids at this point, 20 years worth. Um, is the reason why you don't have any more, more than one kid is because of teaching? You feel like, oh, I got enough kids. No, <laughs> I do have enough kids. But um, no, I just don't have a partner and I'm old now and I do have a lot of kids. Mm. You want more kids? Want is strong. Huh? Want is strong. Um, I feel... Would you prevent not having a kid? That's a better question. Oh, prevent is also strong. <laughs> um, I feel like we should cheers because mm. you are just... This is the most personal interview I've ever given. Yeah, I told you. Uh, yeah, no, I'm here for it. I don't need another kid. Mm. I work with youth all day long. I have a daughter. It's been challenging. And I'm single. And I don't have 
I have very little support. I do have a trigger of meeting somebody, right? And mm-hmm. everything's perfect and everything's wonderful. And they're like, I, I, I need to have a kid, right? Like this is what's missing from my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm 38, so the clock is ticking. But it's not ticking for me. Like I'm not missing another kid in my life. Yeah. But it does... Like, it is triggering for me because men can be like, I love you. And then there's this great thing. And then all of a sudden they need a kid and they can just like find the 20, 20 year old. So it's triggering for you when you meet a, a, an old, older man who doesn't have kids. Why do they got to be older? And what do we consider older? Are we considering me older? Because then, yes. (laughs) we're, 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 We're talking, well, age with men and women are two different uh there's two different views okay in the de- well if you want to specifically talk about the dating scene the older the man gets the more valuable he is the younger the woman is the more valuable i mean the more she's wanted mhm so it's it's different yeah so that's all societal bullshit yeah it's bullshit to me i like right. i like older no women. but that's fine i just It comes back to me, right? Mm -hmm. Being very sure and confident in who I am. Because regardless of looks or what is beautiful, societally accepted as beautiful, who I am and what I stand for and the way I move through this world is beautiful. Period. So I know that I'm a beautiful person. Now, if I... Like, if there's a man who loves that, but, like, also is, like, I really need a child. So, like, Mm. you can, I can't be replaced, but it it is, but it is, but I could. Do you know what I mean? Because I can't give that to you. Or I'm not saying I can't, like, it's not like I'm in menopause. I'm just saying it's. Mm. You should feel flattered when a man tells you that. Tells me what? I mean, if he wants to have a child with you. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Mm. (laughs) Um, no one says that it's more like it would only be in a mature relationship where we're talking about a future, Mm. not just like off the rip like that. That happens all the time. And I'm like, sir, you are a child. That's crazy. Mm. Um, but I just, yeah, I don't know. I personally, I don't need, I'm not missing a child. I don't need another child. And I think that if I really loved somebody and we were in a very healthy relationship and that is something that they wanted, that I would be willing to start over again. Because my daughter is 15. Mm. She makes her own breakfast. She does chores. She takes herself to school. Starting over is like someone needs you to fucking survive. You don't sleep. Like they have to eat every well, that's, fucking. That's where the fifteen-year-old comes in. You right. tell well, you tell no, the fifteen-year-old to take know, care of them. Mm, yeah. So it would it would be a total act of love, and like obviously, once the baby is here, like we would all love them, right? But it would be such an act of love because I'm not missing that. But you know, people are. Do you think if me and you had a son, it'll be beautiful? Obviously. Why is that? Because we're beautiful. 
So you think I'm beautiful? Sure. Yes. Are you fishing for compliments? No. <laughs> low key though. High key actually. Uh, well, anyway. <laughs> so why do you think you are a single parent? What happened? Because I asked this question when, uh-huh. when I talk to women and I always tell them, well, did you see the signs? Did you, did you see the signs? Did you ignore this sign? Did you ignore this sign? And you chose to have a child with this man. As soon as the child was born, he disappears. And I guarantee you, there was something that you saw that you ignored. And I'm not saying this is in your case, but this can relate to a lot of women where they ignore the signs. A nigga sweet talks them and shit like that. But there was a sign. There was a sign that they ignored. And someone told you, girl, don't do it. Oh, he loves me. He's, he's going to take care of me. And then boom, as soon as the kid comes out, okay. he's well, in Texas. Well, one, don't fucking talk to women like that. It's like, you know, because our mistakes are mistakes. Not for you. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> two, that's not my experience. Yeah. I was very much in love and in a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. But I was young. And how old are you? See, the one thing about this podcast Oh, is, I don't ask you any questions. There you go. Okay, but you're closer to my age, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at our age, there has been, you. huh? I'm older than you. Okay. So at that. our age, mm-hmm. there has been so many iterations and versions of ourselves, right? And when you're young, you think you know what the fuck is going on. You think you know who you are. You think you know what you want. You think you know everything. And you don't. But I was in a healthy relationship and I got pregnant actually a year before and I had a um I had an abortion. Mm. And then a year later I got pregnant and I was like, it's a sign. So I had the baby. He is a part of her life. Mm. Um he is a good father. We are cool. He has a fiance. She's amazing. He actually, he owns Sideshow, which is like right down the block from my house. Like, it is a village that is raising our daughter. We were just kids, but there's no animosity. There's no, there's no drama. There's no trouble. I mean, there's a little drama sometimes because it's real hard raising a fucking teenage girl. But, but it ain't like he's a good dad. You have full custody? We n- I never took him to court. Mm. But I do have full custody because that's what she chooses. Mm-hmm. But we, I specifically, no matter how much we fought, which was more when she was younger, would never take him to court because I didn't want my mom to take my dad to court. And I feel like it's something we could work out. And I just don't think it's healthy for our child. And I think it's important for her to see us having a relationship that, like, is caring. It is a community. Like, we were fucking kids. Like, I was 23. Like, who knew what the, like, what? Like, who knew what the fuck they wanted? Like, what they would do for the rest of their lives. So, all we do know is that we love the fuck out of this little girl. Mm. And with that, we're bonded. And with that, we love each other. And with that, we loved, we love 
each other's loved ones. Like I love his fiance. I love anyone who's in our village raising our daughter because it does take a fucking village. But there's no signs because I tell my daughter this. If I could take back having a baby so young, I would. Because I was still a baby. But I don't take it back because of the situation or because of your dad. And I know that whenever I had a baby, it still would have been you. Your daughter was 15 living with her boyfriend in your house. If she would have got pregnant, what would you what, what would you tell her to do? Oh, she on birth control. Okay. We not playing that. <laughs> we not playing that. That's just that. Um, why did you and her dad why did our relationship end? What happened? Me. I think at first him. So you're, you're taking a accountability. I think we were young. There's a lot of accountability that can go all around. Um, at first, he was just not around. And I would have to beg for like a date night. And then once I just was like, all right, well done begging i'm 24 like okay mm. then then it then he overcompensated which made me run even more and i definitely broke like we've tried we tried to get back together like one two maybe three times i don't know it was a long time ago and i do know that we wouldn't have tried if it wasn't for bella but you're young. You don't know what the fuck is going on. You don't even know yourself. Um, but yeah, no, I take accountability because I definitely put him through a lot of shit. Were you cheating? No, but I was ruthless because I didn't want to settle for anything I didn't want. And he was also raised with different values with me than me. He comes from um a wealthy white family. Mm. I don't think they were born wealthy, but when he was born, they were wealthy. Um, they're Italian. They're from Boston. They're just very, oh like, he's, he's the oldest of two brothers. like White and from Boston. Mm -hmm. The mm. mother is, like, didn't work and stayed home and took care of all the fucking kids. Like, I, I remember when I first had Bella, she came over, and I was, like, sleep-deprived. And she's like, well, what is Michael going to eat when he comes home from work? I was like, Michael's a grown-ass man. He finna figure that shit out. Mm. So, like, there are just so many ways that culturally we didn't see but he wasn't like that i just that's how he was bred right like that's what he wants he he want he was always going to be solid he always wanted to settle down but he i was 23 so like i'm i still had life to live and that's why i tell bella i would like i love you you're the own like you were everything mm -hmm. and if i could tell anyone it would be to wait because what about him made you what about him made you be with him we ain't talked about my ex in a long long time with anyone ah uh, yes, that's leading up to what i'm about to start asking oh shit all right um i don't know it was so long ago he uh you know what he is i love him like 
People are not lying when you fight with your baby daddy or your baby mama. There ain't nothing that can make you harder, like when, like, like real fucking upset. Like, I'm not a violent person, but I'd be like, when I fight with him, I'm like, I'm gonna kill him, right? But I'm, it's not like that. Mm. But to be honest, like, that's a really good guy. Like, he's a really good man. Mm. He's not the man for me because we were young and we were gonna grow and. We're from such different places, but like exactly. So, what was it about him? Like, there's like he was a he's a good guy, and I'm happy he's the father of my daughter. I'm talking about. I don't know. I don't know. You know? No, because you were with him. Yeah, that was like a really long. That was like 2007. He was. He likes to eat. I love to eat. He's (laughs) Italian. You know, I love pasta. Um, and he kept like we can keep the same energy like when he was out and about and partying he's very similar to me like we are together but like we're also in a space and we talk to everybody but like we had very similar like similar energy I suppose at the time are you the same type of woman then when you were dating him no. That you are now? No. Absolutely. What changed? Everything. Like what? I mean, I'm 38, so 20. I'm talking, answer the question as in like relationships. Like back then, you're probably looking for the, the every every girl, woman, when they look for a companion, they're looking for certain things, right? Ain't nobody at 20 fucking two knows what the fuck they're actually looking for. Well, a lot of people do, but... <laughs> okay, they only think they do because they don't even know themselves yet. But what I'm saying is, girl, like when you're... If a girl's like 19, they might date a dude who's like, oh, I like hood dudes. And then when they're 35, they can't stand hood dudes, right? So, so, so something changed in their uh, way of thinking. I mean, I hope. Everyone from 22 to 35 changes because if not, go mm. see a therapist. Even if you have changed, go see a therapist. Um, I've grown. And you either grow together or you grow apart. But growth is inevitable. And you can either lean into the discomfort of growing and figuring out parts of yourself or you can lean into what is toxic and grow the toxic, Mm. right? But either way, you have to grow. And I think that in the stage of society that we're in where it's you don't have to get married young and you don't have to do these things, that people are watering parts of themselves that people used to just like hide. And I don't know what's right or what's wrong, but I followed my heart every time. And I may have broken a lot of people's hearts on the way. Mm -hmm. But I always followed my heart. Because if you don't, then you won't really be happy or be able to live your truth. And so I have grown into so many different iterations of myself since then that was hard and beautiful and and that's just life i don't i don't know i'm i'm 
universes away from the woman I was when I met him. What do you get inspiration from? Everything. From, I mean, predominantly pain. Mm -hmm. But beauty. But pain. What do you think more? What do you think is more important, pain or, or beauty? Pain or happiness? As... Opposed, as far as uh, as far as inspiration, uh, no, well, not not well, yeah, inspiration and and becoming a, a a person. Those are different things. Yes. So give me two answers. I had this conversation recently. I think that art has saved my life, and I'm so grateful to be a creative and to make art for a living. I also think that pain, they always say what's bad for your heart is good for your art. And it's true. Like, the love songs. People love love songs. I love watching people dance to, like, couple songs. Like, whatever. Love is great, right? But nothing guts you like some fucking art. That like hits you from a place that you that like stole the words that you weren't even saying. Mm-hmm. So I would say that pain is a pretty big inspiration in my art, or maybe my life is just lacking of love and just full of pain. We don't know, but I think that pain is just profound. And I don't want to feel it anymore, but it makes us human and it does produce really good art. What was the other one? You growing as a person. No. What? <laughs> that wasn't it? No, it wasn't. That was How are you going to tell me? I don't know. I just did. It was you growing as a person. Oh, it was. Well, what makes you a person? It was something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that wasn't even a question. Uh, as far as personal growth. Yes, that's better. You're welcome. Um, both are, both are necessity. Mm. Equally. Hopefully. When was a time in your life where you were full of joy, happiness? Mm. I don't know. You don't know? When was a time where you were full of, uh, I don't know, sadness? Often. Often? Yeah. So I think that, I think that if you only know me through the lens of what I let a lot of people see, often Instagram or even general friendships, is that. I hold a lot of space for a lot of people and I know that the work I do is great. So I feel good about that. Mm. But me personally is a very, very different. It's very divided for me. And I'm not happy or very joyful or very positive. I think that the other half of me and like the way I navigate this world kind of pulls me Like, it almost feels like my purpose is not personal. It's for everyone. And then there's just me that is alone and sad and often depressed. But I know that I hold space for so many people 
and love so many people and nurture them and water them that that is why I'm important. Mm. That's basically like Jesus or God, whatever, whichever one is this, who died because of everyone's sins. I romanticize death. Are you scared of death? Yeah, but I romant like I wish since I almost died, like I told the person who like helped me find help, like I wished so many times that I had just bled out in that in that hotel room. Mm-hmm. Like life is really hard and I'm alone and I do it all by myself and I hold a lot of people. And so I don't want to like die like a fucking crazy like slasher death. But like had I had died like that, like that's dying in glory. Like I I'm I'm a real I'm a good person. I've made a great impact and then I don't have to suffer anymore. And then let's not even talk about getting old because that shit looks miserable. So mm-hmm. Had I just died in Bali on vacation on a freak accident, like, you know, it was like life is real fucking hard. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be that bad. Like, I mean, my daughter, I would never hurt myself, but I struggle a lot. Life is very hard and I'm so alone. So it's hard. Mm. What do you want to accomplish this year? <sighs> I would like my nervous system to go back to normal. I would like... You got sciatica or something? No, that's physical. Mm. My nervous system. Oh, you're, uh, you got ADHD? Uh, well, no, I have that, but like my nervous system, like my anxiety uh. attached to other people, attached, mm. attached to different relationships. I would like peace. Mm-hmm. And I would like happiness. I, my life is very, very full. I just, the only area that's lacking besides me not being extremely rich for working for a nonprofit in Oakland, um, <laughs> that was a joke. You should laugh. <laughs> is it? Cheers. Yes. <laughs> is um, my personal life. I just want a partner. Yeah. But otherwise, as an individual, everything's fine. So you know what you want to accomplish. What are you going to do to accomplish that? What in your life are you going to change in order to accomplish that? Um, we're going to assess as we go along and give ourselves grace. Mm. Because. Well, there is a certain someone who had their eye on you and and who's been trying to take you out for a minute. We're not going to say names, but he's a very handsome, (laughs) handsome man, but yeah. But yeah. Um, There are many suitors. (laughs) I, uh, anyway, we ain't going to talk about that. No, that's not, I, I, there's somebody, I have somebody in my life, Mm. but, they have a lot of work that they need to do for themselves, which affects me, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, hopefully they don't succeed, and which opens the door for, what's his name? They don't succeed. <laughs> I have a lot of healing to do. Yes. What do you have 
what are you are you working on anything uh now like any shows you want to yeah this is your time um so (laughs) every spring my company does uh whole production original production Mm -hmm. um and We've been at Laney for the last like 15 years and we do two weekends and we also do a daytime show for all the schools and communities to come for a field trip to watch us. But our goal is to be at the Paramount in 26. So Laney is 300 and the Paramount's like 1500. So we're um, growing. So we're going to be at Zellerbach this year. In Berkeley? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and per your podcast, I can get you some comp tickets. Oh, yes. Um, thank you. Yeah. When is this? It will be May 4th and 5th. Mm. So one opening night is the 4th and then there's two shows on the 5th. And this is a dance show. It's a dance and theater production. It's, Mm. it is, it is dance and it is youth talking about topics that fucking mean something it is it is i always tell people this people think I, they know what i do for a living they're like oh we know her we've seen her out we talk to her we see her instagram she dances you don't know what i do until you come to one of my shows and then you're like oh fuck mm. okay it's deeper than that so you no one would ever know me and what I do until they come to one of my shows. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's what we're gearing up for. I am at five days a week starting next month, February. I will be six days a week. Then starting March, I'll be seven days a week to like 80 to 100 hours a week. I will have no social life. And I will eat, breathe, and sleep this show. Nice. Social medias. At Mama P510. And then my babies, my dance company is at DAYPC5678. Um, if like someone wanted to like donate to the, to your cause. To our or organization. Or, yeah, whatever. Like, do you have any information on that? Yes. Um, go to destinyarts.org. Mm. And that is my organization and Everything will be on there, and you can even get a tax break. Follow for taxes. Also, <laughs> where are my taxes at? Because I'm trying to file. Well, uh, we appreciate you coming on the podcast, talking about your life. We got deep. I told you some shit I never, you know, only told people that, like, I really trusted. Oh, yeah, well, and now it's going to be on the interwebs for people to welcome see. Welcome to Everyday Celebrity Podcast. And uh, yeah, any last words? Just (laughs) be kind and give yourself grace. This is Everyday Celebrity Podcast. We are out. You.